0: Amen. You may be seated. As you're taking your seats, just want to thank Buddy and Dodd and the choir, and also to thank Andrew. It's wonderful to have you here this morning. Uh, you can make it a regular thing, you know. Uh, it's just a joy to have you all. And the choir for working on and producing uh, that uh, second, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the second production of a song by our very own Nathan Johnson. So, Nathan, thank you for your contribution. Choir, Buddy, Dot, and Andrew, thank you for yours. I don't know if any of you were uh, up late enough to hear storms rumbling through last night. Yesterday afternoon, that same line of storms was crossing eastern Alabama and western Georgia as they say, our old stomping grounds. And as I was noting by posts of friends down that way, they were pretty rough. Uh, One lady said that, one friend of of mine said that the thunder was so loud it shook the house and two frames fell off the walls. Well, anytime there's a storm of that magnitude, whether it's a line of storms during this time of year or some of those real big thunderstorms in the summer, I think about a song. I remember a song that probably most of you have never heard of before. Uh, The song is entitled Dixie Storms. The song is done, it was written by and it was sung by a lady, a local Georgia lady by the name of Maria McKee and her band Lone Justice. It's a song that just every time I'm hearing one of these big thunderstorms. It just starts playing in my mind. It's the kind of storm that drops tons of rain. Those Dixie storms, the type of storms that spawn tornadoes. Dixie storms, the kind in which lightning streaks across the sky and strikes the ground again and again. The kind of storms in which there's thunder that shakes houses think of of this particular song for another reason, but I'll let you figure that out uh, as I read to you the lyrics. I received a letter like so many others. Mama said, how's life in the city? My, your sister's grown. And you've just missed those awful Dixie storms. Thank God they've passed those awful Dixie storms. I left so long ago I'd forgotten just what for. But they say when a big city beckons, you have no choice but to go. And here, there are no Dixie storms. Thank God, there are no Dixie storms. And the smoke on the street makes me wonder why I stay away from those gentle Dixie storms. When I was younger, how I would wonder what may the sweet Georgia rain make me feel so warm, and how God made a Dixie storm, and how I loved those Dixie storms. And the rumble in the sky brings a shudder to my soul. Oh, how I loved those Dixie storms. The rumble, the house-shaking power of thunder, can sound very different It just depends on your perspective. And that brings us to two of my favorite passages of all of Scripture. Two passages that the lectionary brings together on this first Sunday after Epiphany. And the two passages that I'm thinking of are Psalm 29 and the accounts of Jesus' baptism at the River Jordan. Let's begin with Psalm 29. If you would go there. Go there with me. We have sung Psalm 29 in our opening song our opening hymn, or opening psalm from the, uh, from the ARP Psalter version, a metrical version of Psalm 29. We'll begin here. Uh, years ago I sat in on a class of Dr. Mark Futato and in that class Dr. Futato just opened my eyes to the beauty of this psalm. It's a meteorologist's delight. In it, the psalmist describes the typical path, not of Dixie storms, but the typical path of eastern Mediterranean storms. And from the words of the psalmist, those storms sound about as impressive as a good thunder boomer in the middle of the summertime in Georgia. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor and the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice... The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the floods. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. storm starts out over the sea, verse 3. The storm moves eastward. It moves on shore. It moves into land and it strikes Lebanon, verses 5 and 6. It moves southward over the promised land. And then finally down the Jordan Valley it goes over Jerusalem. It goes out into Kadesh south of Jerusalem in the wilderness. The psalmist tracks the path of the storm. The psalmist tracks the storm and in so doing he challenges the pagan gods. The pagan gods who were supposed to be over such storms. They were the the cause, supposedly, of such eastern Mediterranean storms. No, this storm belonged not to a pagan deity. This storm belonged to Yahweh, Israel's God. The lightning was His flames of fire under His control, sent out from cloud to cloud and from cloud to ground. Lightning so powerful that it strikes the trees and it strips off the bark, stripping the forest bare, as the psalmist says. But it's not lightning that takes top billing in the psalm, is it? Lightning's mentioned. What takes top billing in this psalm? It's what? The voice of the Lord. It's thunder. Thunder. The voice of the Lord, it was in the thunder. And if you were a Hebrew uh, listener, and if you heard this in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for, for the voice of the Lord is cold. It's, it's a hard sound. And you hear it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. In the psalm, it's almost as if it's the thunder itself. Striking, striking, striking. It's God's voice resounding. It's God's explosive voice breaking the trees into shreds. It's the Lord's voice that causes that deer to give birth prematurely. The thunder belonged to Yahweh, not to the Baal or Baal. It belonged to Yahweh and to Him alone. And in His temple, all His people respond, glory, glory. His people felt the winds of the storm, His people saw the lightning flash. His people heard the thunder and hearing it, they heard the voice of the one who was above the thunder. They heard the voice of the one who was above the clouds, above the storm, above the flood. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. And when they heard and when they saw, what did they do? They worshipped. They exclaimed. They shouted out, glory. Now, I had another professor who loved this text, and he loved to make a joke about this text. He said and if, if Presbyterians had been in the temple in that day, Presbyterians would have mumbled glory. <laughs> but if they'd been Baptists, they would say glory. But if they'd been Charismatics, glory. Now, I don't know, but my suspicion is, those early Israelites would have been more charismatic than we tend to be. They shouted, glory, glory to God. They worshipped him, not only because he's the sovereign power over the storm, not only because he is better, more powerful than the weak, nothing gods of the Canaanites, but they worshipped him also, because they knew him, the one who is the master of the storm, the one whose voice does resound in the thunder, they worshipped him because they knew him to be the one that gave his people strength and peace. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. I love that song. It's such an exciting the psalm, you see, you hear the rumble and the house-shaking power of thunder can actually sound beautiful. It just depends on your perspective. Who's in control above and even speaks using that thunder? Yahweh, our God. And that brings us to our gospel lesson turn to Matthew 3. Our gospel lesson is really verses 13 through 17 of chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3. It's the gospel lesson for the first Sunday after Epiphany, in this season of Epiphany, in this season which we relish In the God who is not only there, but the God who is not silent. The God who speaks. The God who has manifested His intentions to save His people and to save the cosmos in this Jesus Christ. He has not hidden His intentions from us. He revealed His intentions to the wise men. Now He reveals His intentions once again to us. He reveals himself in and through Jesus. He is the word and he the Father speaks of is the living word. Verse 13 Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now for thus The voice from heaven, a coal strikes again. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The coal of the Lord thundered again, thundered again. But what does it say? What does the voice of the Lord say? This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This one coming to John to be baptized. This one who in and of himself had no need for a baptism of repentance for he had no sin. This one who nevertheless so identifies with his people, who would so represent his people that he would be baptized for them and on account of their sin. This one veiled in human flesh. This one upon whom the Spirit rested. This one who thus was being ordained, anointed as the Messiah. This one was God the Father's Son. And the Father loved Him. And the Father Loves him. And the Father was pleased and is pleased with him. Dear ones, gaze upon this Jesus. Gaze upon this Jesus in this word and be amazed. And let not the voice shake your house. But let the voice of the Lord shake your soul to where you cry out, glory. The first application of any sermon ought to be, worship your God. Behold and see. Worship and fall before Him and cry glory. But why was the Father pleased? Wasn't God the Father always pleased with God the Son? Wasn't he, and isn't he eternally pleased with God the Son? Yes, yes, and again... Yes, but that pleasure redounds. That pleasure overflows for our sake as we read this. The Father was pleased with the eternal Son and that the eternal Son would condescend to, to us, set aside His glory, veil Himself in human flesh so that He might be our Savior and the Savior of the cosmos. The Father is pleased with the Son because the Son is willing to be the suffering servant of Yahweh. And God the Father was also pleased with the very human Jesus. Don't miss this. He's pleased with the human nature. Of Jesus, He's pleased with the human nature of the God-man because the human nature was making a conscious decision to step out and identify with sinners such as ourselves undertaking the work of Messiah. Jesus the man willing to step into the waters of the River Jordan for you and for me. Isn't such thunder glorious? Let the voice shake not your house. Let the voice shake your soul to where you cry glory. What does it mean then for you who are found in this Jesus? What does this mean for those who are trusting in this Jesus? They're trusting in this Jesus because God's sovereign grace has been work as has been at work in them. What does it mean for those who've been born again by sovereign grace? What does it mean for those who have placed their faith and trust in this Jesus, who have been justified, who've been adopted, who are being sanctified as they follow Him? What does it mean for you if you are united with Jesus? It means what? When God the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, what does it mean for you if you're united to Jesus? You are loved. He's pleased with you. Child of God, you're beloved. Act like it. Child of God, The Father is pleased with you. Realize it. He'll never be more pleased with you than He is if you are in Jesus right now. He's pleased if you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. If you're in union with Christ, you are that son, you are that daughter He loves and is pleased with. Isn't such thunder glorious? Let it not shake your house. Let it shake your heart. And may you cry, glory. Now what practical application, as if worship's not practical, what practical application can you now draw from this truth? Beloved, that's who you are. If you're in Jesus, beloved, Those who are pleasing unto the Father in Jesus will want to live that way. Those who are pleasing in Jesus to the Father will want to live that way, as if you truly are beloved, if you truly are pleasing to God. And you are, and now you'll want to live as such. You'll want to live in Christ-reflecting, pleasing ways. Not to earn God's pleasure. You've got it. But out of gratitude for His grace and His pleasure. Right? So how do you live in Christ-reflecting ways? How did the second person of the Holy Trinity incarnate please the Father. Self denying, self giving, consciously taking the next step out of love for others. Self denying, self giving, consciously taking the next step out of love for others. How can we do this in the self-promoting, virtue-signaling hashtag world we find ourselves in? It's hard. Without the Spirit, you can't do it. But if you're in Christ, the Spirit is indwelling you. Here's just a Practical, maybe one way of getting at it. Today, maybe, maybe this afternoon, this evening. Take out a piece of paper. List on this piece of paper your main weekly tasks, those routine things that you do each and every week. List them and then begin doing some diagnostic questioning. Can this task bring glory to God? What am I looking for when I do this task? Is my main focus for doing this me? Or is my main focus when I do this on somebody else and for their good because I love them? Let me give you an instance. On on my weekly list, I will have preach a sermon most of the time. Honest confession is good for the soul? Can preaching sermons bring glory to God? Yes. Should they bring glory to God? Yes. Do I always go about preaching a sermon for the glory of God and because I love you as I should for your good? To be quite honest, there's sometimes that really what I'm if I'm honest with myself, what I'm hoping for Is to be commended. Is to have a pat on the shoulder, and say, "That's a good sermon." That was a good sermon, Pastor. Thank you. Ask yourself some diagnostic questions. What's your heart motivation in doing what you do, brothers and sisters, beloved? You're beloved. You're pleasing to the Father in Jesus. Not live like it. Live like it. One last thing. Who saw the dove? Who heard the voice? Interestingly enough, if you read every one of these baptism accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it seems like if you read them closely, only Jesus and maybe John saw the dove. And it seems like only Jesus heard the voice of the Father. If that's the case, if the only one who heard really heard the coal of the Lord... This is my beloved son, or as Luke says, you are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. What are the implications? First implication not all here. Not all here. Only those the Father chooses. Today, that's still the case. Some of you have sat here for the past, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so, and all you've heard are a jumble of words. Honestly, that's all you've heard. And and that might be because of the preacher. But it also might be because of your heart. Some of you have heard the words of Psalm 29, Matthew 3, and you just shrug. Not all here. Only those that the Father chooses. If you're struggling right now, am I hearing it? What's, what's the big deal about Psalm 29, Matthew 3? If you're struggling there, let me give you a suggestion. Cry out now. You can pray right now. You can say, O oh God of the Bible, I don't understand. I'm not hearing. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Open my heart. That I might hear the call of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased and I will then by your grace cry out glory. You can pray that prayer right now. I encourage you to do so. And may the sovereign spirit open your heart. There's a second implication here. If Jesus is the only one who hears, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, it must have meant that Jesus, the God-man, Jesus the man, needed to hear that. Needed to hear that. Why? Why would Jesus the man need to hear, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased? Why? Because what was He about to face? Deprivation, terrible temptation, suffering, and pain, all of which might make one very real human doubt the love and pleasure of God. And God the Father makes sure Jesus the man hears this word. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He was well pleasing to the Father. Then, he will be well pleasing to the Father in the middle of the desert. And he will be well pleasing to the Father as he is walking those steps of the Via Dolorosa with the cross on his shoulder. If Jesus needed to hear such a voice, how about those found in Jesus? Some of you are here today by sovereign design because you need to hear the voice of the Lord that says, this is... Is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Because you're going through a struggle. Because you're about to face a struggle. And in those struggles, it is easy to doubt. Hear the voice, the thunder of the Lord. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. And hear that voice in the sunshine of this January Sunday, but also hear this voice in the midst of the darkest next storm that comes along. Isn't such thunder glorious? Let this voice shake not your house, but shake your heart to where you cry out, glory. And the rumble in the sky brings a shudder to my soul. And oh, how I love those Dixie storms. Let's pray. when the storms crash around us, may we hear your voice. Father, when the next storm comes, the next real physical storm, and we hear thunder, may we pause and may we rejoice. That's your voice. You're the God over that storm. You're the God who will give us strength in the midst of that storm. You're the God who brings peace. In the next storm of relationship struggles, vocational struggles, health struggles, may we hear the beautiful voice of the Father Who says, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. Let us hear that if we are found in Jesus. And may those words be sweet. May they strengthen us. May they calm us. May they give us the peace that we need. And may we be those who go forth as those who are well pleased, loving others denying ourselves, taking the next step that we take for your glory, O oh God, and the good of those that you've placed in our path. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Our concluding hymn is number 141, God in the Gospel of His Son. Let us stand to sing. Receive now the benediction you've just sung about receiving God's truth with meekness and then living out its holy precepts. Receive this word. This is my son. This is my daughter, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.